Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I have an incredibly special episode, one I've been so excited for, the one, the only, Preston Smiles. If you follow my channel and you're in that particular genre, then you for sure know Preston Smiles. Preston is an amazing motivational speaker with an incredible YouTube channel. He is so authentic and one of my very favorite people. And I never really thought I'd get a chance to talk with him. And I got a chance to talk to Preston Smiles. So welcome to the Reality Revolution, Preston. Oh, oh. Yes, yes, yes. Blessings and blessings, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped and excited to be here to have this chat and uh, this meeting of the minds and the hearts, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. So for people that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about your story. And you you had some events that you've talked about in other interviews that sort of Mm -hmm. transformed you and put you on the path that you're on now. So let let me know a little bit more about the origin story of Preston Smiles. Absolutely. Uh, Well, first and foremost, usually when people say, you know, who are you? Uh, I I have two answers. One of them is the standard one. And the other one is uh, what I know to be the truth, which is uh, I am uh, a unique emanation of God, um, reflecting, revealing god's love in only the way that i can and so everything i'm about to share with you is um, the human personality part of me and not what i believe to be true about me these are uh, things that did occur but i don't believe they're true about me anymore so uh i grew up in la uh in a sort of middle class neighborhood that we turned into a war zone as children uh, because I grew up during a time where gangster rap was extremely um, perpetuated and, uh, you know, put that next to Rambo and Terminator and all the different things. I just wanted to be a tough guy. So my friends and I used to do a bunch of stuff, uh, stupid stuff, um, fighting, um, spray painting, beating people up, just stupid kid stuff, throwing rocks. Um, and, uh, I also played basketball and all that stuff, but what was under the me that was showing up at that time was I was placed in special education very early on as a kid. And, uh, they didn't catch that I was dyslexic. And so, uh, I made up a story that I was stupid, that I was dumb, that I was less than, And uh, that story perpetuated throughout the majority of my life. And so um, mix that and couple that with a extremely stressed out mother who was doing her best and a father who was battling his own demons, including some things with drugs um, and uh, his base desires, allowing his 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 um, sexual proclivities to uh, hurt the people around him. And so all of that was mixed up in this beautiful ocean of devotion, this interesting jambalaya. And I grew up inside of that. And uh, I had the good fortune of having a lot of different kinds of friends. And I had this crew, uh, and this is a a pretty big moment, which sort of shifted everything for me. But I had this crew, uh, Rudy and Scott. And Rudy and Scott and myself used to always go out. I was 15. We'd go out and we'd do these things called runouts, where we'd go into a liquor store 
grab a bunch of beer and alcohol and pretend like we were 21. And the, the moment we got to the counter, we just run out. And we used to do that all the time. Like I've literally done that to more than a hundred stores. I've went back and paid all of those liquor stores that are still there um, money. <laughs> um, years and 20, 30 years later, I went back and paid all of them back. Um, but uh, my father, for all his faults, very early on used to pour into me. And one of the things he used to say to me is you are a leader. And if for any reason, something doesn't feel right, and everybody in the crowd is going right, but you feel like left is the way you will do that no matter what. He used to say that to me all the time. So fast forward to a particular night, Scott calls me my best friend. And he's like, yo, we're going out, coming to get you in like 30 minutes. And I was like, ooh, nah, man, I don't think I'm going. And it was just one of those like quick internal like no's, right? And right now in my work and on my YouTube channel and everywhere, and I've, I've coached thousands of people. I've led workshops all over the world. I've been on all the biggest channels, all the stuff. I've written books, all of this. My biggest teachings are saying yes to your yes and no to your no. Because I do believe that all of us have an internal compass and a, uh, a divine sacred yes that's uh, pulsating and pulling us forward. And so this is me at 15 years old hearing this still small voice tell me no. And then the next voice was my dad's, which was, if everybody's going this way, but it doesn't feel right to you, you'll go the opposite. So I say no. My friend, you know, does what friends do. I was like, oh, you're going to be a little beep. And I'm like, yeah, man, tonight I am, um, but I'll see you tomorrow. So I hang up the phone. And within an hour, every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before that, and the night before that, and the night before that, Every single person in there was shot. Wow. And my best friend was shot in the head and died instantly. And that, for me, was one of those turning point moments where I realized that the tough guy persona wasn't for me. That, that I, uh, we were playing a game as kids that we, couldn't, we didn't fully understand. Um, at that time, I had been taught so much that big boys don't cry that I actually didn't cry either. It, it had been beaten out of me um, through all the societal messaging. And so I also had survivor's guilt. Um, I didn't process any of that. And that led me to a lot of different things, but to the point where, and this is not the last part of the story, but the part I want you to hear. I was 33 years old when I moved back in with my mom um, and I, I had this moment, and I don't know any, if anybody's listening or anybody in the comments wants to put this, but I had this moment where I was like, I am too amazing to be experiencing um, lack, right? Like I, I felt like, oh, you have all this medicine on your heart, but you keep, you know, being broke. There's something there. There's something there for you, right? So I moved back with my mom at 33. Uh, according to the IRS, I was making $36,000 a year, 2012, 2013. 2014, I made 150000 2015, 300 2016, 600 17, 1 million. List goes on. I share that 
And I know in the spiritual world, in the spiritual community, oftentimes we we distance ourselves from numbers and business and all of that stuff. But for me, this is major breakthroughs, like extraordinary breakthroughs in my life. And it was all connected to the part of me that thought I was stupid. I was still operating from the eight and nine-year-old consciousness when I was 33. And so here I am now as a 42-year-old man uh, having a completely different experience. And I, I thought it would be important for your audience to know that. It's an amazing story and it's so inspirational. And it's what I find amazing when I first caught on to your videos and watch is how it's never really planned. I, I've seen so many times you, you'll, you'll just be going for a walk. You'll be going for a walk. I can see the background and it's just like, you are hitting me with your most amazing wisdom coming out of nowhere. I just want to know before we go any further, where do you find your flow? Where did it come from? Because I mean, it, you will speak for 20 minutes in a video and you don't clearly, you never, you never stop it. It's never mm -hmm. edited. It's no. you don't make a mistake. It's just coming from some divine source. Mm. So help me to tap into what you've got. Explain mm. it to me. Yes, Brian, that is awesome. And thank you for the observation. Um, that is obviously years of, of, fine-tuning my channel and a part of the story I shared, right? I have other stories. I, I I was in New York and I'm gonna answer your question, but I just wanted to just share this short story. I was in New York and I think it's helpful, right? Because I believe that our first thought is the true one. Second thought, slightly true. Third thought, by the time we get to the third thought and the fifth and the 20th thought, it's talking ourselves out of what was initially true. And so short answer to your question is I don't filter. I don't try to figure it out. I just say yes to the yes. I don't have to know. I just have to know the knower, right? And I believe that spirit can only do for us what it can do through us. So I open myself up. I actually say, spirit, use me, right? There's four levels of consciousness to me, by me, through me, as me, right? I daily step into through me, use me. Let me be a source, a beacon, a light, for God's love, for the universe's love, for to, to, to be an internal, eternal expression, right? And so I don't try to figure it out. I just allow it to do its thing. How I do that is by listening to the first thought, the first hit, the body hit, the sensation, the, the, the anything, anything. I perceive all of that as yes. I perceive that the universe, God, Buddha, Krishna, Allah, source, divine intelligence only has one answer ever. And that answer is yes. It was a yes to Hitler. It was a yes to Gandhi. It's a yes to Brian Scott. And it's a yes to Preston Smiles on every single level. Only one power, not two. My, this is my perception. Not three powers, not seven powers. There's only one. And that one power is always saying yes. So for me, when I turn that camera on, it's because something came through and I say, use me. I'll get out of the way now. I'll get out of the way. And I will trust that whatever I say is what's needed and necessary in that moment for the um, for whoever has uh, eyes to see and heart to hear and all that stuff. <laughs> Amazing. As somebody that... Um... I'm an old, I've been studying neuro-linguistic programming for, for mm -hmm. a long time. 
and mm-hmm. you know took classes this is something I, I i did in college and so when i came upon your channel i i clearly could see that you on top of being able to go into the flow in the moment and using uh your profound talent you were mm-hmm. also integrating amazing teachings from nlp and i wanted mm-hmm. to before we go beyond that i wanted to, to get your background yes. because you've really used some of those technologies i like to call them those mm-hmm. ideas Yes. Uh, um, transformatively in helping others. So talk to me about that. Yes. So I, um, hmm, I think about five years ago, did a NLP practitioner uh, three week long thing, where it's every day from seven to five kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about that, and and here's my truth. All of us have. Um, the capacity to receive universal intelligence, right? Um, I believe that uh, the universe is looking for willing channels to pour into so that it may um, be expressed. I believe that the fruit doesn't belong to the tree, it belongs to the ecosystem. And so when the universe is pouring, right? Let's say it pours into uh, Grindler, Grindler and Bandler. It's also pouring into Slendler and Chandler, right? It's also pouring into any any willing vessel, right? Because the technology is the technology is the technology. It's not about the person or the name we put on the thing, right? Because we as humans like to label stuff. We say, oh, this yeah. is this and this is that. Well, you go off in the jungle, or you, you spend some time in the bush like I have in Africa and you'll quickly recognize like, oh, they know stuff that we, we've labeled this or that. So short answer is I have done it. But even before I did, I was right. using those things without knowing what I was using, right? So um, the, a term in NLP is like future cast. So the term in, in NLP called future cast. Yes. So, uh, you know, in NLP, they have something called future casting, right? Like I was doing that before I understood that I was doing that. And so when I did go through the the, the process, I was like, wait, what? Right. And, yeah. and, you know, don't get me wrong. I learned so much from doing that training, um, but I've done so many trainings that they just overlap. And for me personally, I don't care about the label on top. Mm-hmm. My job is not to, you know, not in this lifetime, to be a disciple of one thing. Um, I don't know if you know Michael Beckwith or Agape. Um, uh, um, uh, when I got here to Austin two years ago, I was studying to be a practitioner and then a reverend under him. And we had extensive conversations. And, you know, there was a strong chance that I would have been in line to support him in transitioning out of his space, right? Mm-hmm. But there was something that just, it wasn't a yes. And what I've recognized is like, my dharma in this lifetime is not necessarily to be like a a major student of one thing, but to just be receptive to all things and and be the channel. Uh, I I take my hat off to some of the work that's been done in NLP and um, all the somatic experiencing work and trauma work and, uh, there's so many amazing people out there, including yourself, man. Let me just take a moment to acknowledge what you've been doing and how much you've been supporting humanity. Thank you, brother. By using a tool 
that most people, especially your age and my age, right, would look at and go, oh, technology, right? And you said, bring it. Mm -hmm. I'll support, right? That's a big deal, man. So I'm, I'm like extremely humbled by people like yourself and the people who created NLP and all the other things that have been created. Now, the, the unique dynamic that you have brought is that you also have an amazing wife and and she's, you know, teaching the same things. And you, as, the best way I can describe it, you both almost have that masculine sort of energy um, that, you know, you're teaching. And, and so talk to me about the dynamics. You've obviously learned a lot from mm -hmm. the dynamics of your relationship with your wife. Yes, for sure, man. Um, I have four kids uh, or they have me. Um, right. <laughs> a beautiful wife, four businesses, and uh, a lot, a lot on my plate. And uh, people often ask me like, you know, what's your favorite book? Or where do you, you know, where do you study under? And I say, all I have to do is look around my own life. <laughs> all the content's there, right? If I slow down to the speed of wisdom and actually pay attention, there's all these little micro nuanced moments that occur, even especially with my wife, because she in some ways has replaced my mother, right? We, we, you can run, but you can't hide. And so what I mean by that is the little boy in me that believed that his needs didn't count or matter. Um, I suppressed those needs because my mom was stressed out. And so that got locked into my somatic body and became a way, a mood, a way of being, which I got celebrated for. Oh, Preston's so easy. Preston's so responsible. Preston's always there. He's the rock for people, right? I got celebrated for that. And then, of course, from that energetic space, I also attracted someone, my wife, who has a similar flow. She is not my mom. They're both Virgos. Um, and strong, heavy-handed, big personality women. And so my wife is another beautiful opportunity for me to come home to the self. And I learned so much. I don't think there's anything harder on the planet than being in a conscious partnership, period. And, and take it one step further, conscious partnership, married, right? Kids, easy, right? They're challenging, but easy. Right? You have unconditional love for kids. You just, any parent will say, I'd die for my kids. When it comes to your partner, right? that's, that's why the divorce rate's so high. That's why people struggle so much. And for me, the power is, is not that I, I don't mess up. It's that I re-enter the room, right? That's what makes me awesome is that when we fight and when stuff comes up and when I notice my own insecurities and when I drop her and don't take care of her, the power is not that those things never happen. It's that I come back and I repair and I speak truth and I love on her and I understand that we are operating together, co-regulating each other in partnership out of 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. I called her in and she called me in. So yes, our dynamic is awesome and interesting. And uh, she's really awesome and, and knows how to dance between her masculine and feminine and when to do it and when not to. So we're figuring it out though. Awesome. <laughs> so one of the things that you've kind of taught me is, is how to navigate through challenges um, mm -hmm. as they come along the way. It's, it's not about 
um, always being in that positive state. It's about how you react to what's happening mm -hmm. in the world. Teach, teach the people that are listening, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you learned about facing challenges that come up because we all have to face them. You have a unique modality in doing that. Yeah. I mean, I could I take 20 million angles on that, but I'll start with, um, there is um, conceiving, there is perceiving, and then there's receiving, right? And so the moment something comes through, right? Something as simple as I would like a, a cup of coffee, right? I am con I'm conceiving. There is an idea. There is something coming forward. There is a instruction manual. The moment it comes through, right? I would like a coffee. This is a desire that I put into the space. Well, that then goes into the law of mind and the law of opposites, right? The law of mind and law of opposites essentially states that the moment you produce a desire, we the, the universe creates a contextual field for us to understand that that has or has not occurred. So an example of that would be, I would like to know up. Well, you can't tell me about up without explaining down. You can't tell me about left if I don't understand right. You can't tell me about hot if I have no concept of cold. So the moment I declare hot, the universe is going to create a contextual field where I experience cold so that when I receive hot, I know that it's hot. Is this, are you tracking so far? Yeah. So for me, um, when problems arise, and I'm doing air quotes for those who cannot see my fingers, I expect them because it's a part of the process. Now, there's conceiving, perceiving, receiving. Now, under perceiving, this is where all the work is, because if our perception is um, tainted, it becomes deception. And the moment we start to deceive, right, and listen to the deception, it it changes our reception. So it's like me saying, hey, this is the year I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And then three hours later, my friend says, hey, I just bought us donuts, right? This goes, this went into the law of mind and the law of opposites. Now the donuts are there and I take a bite, right? And then deception. Right. Of course, you took a bite. Of course, you're a fat ass. Of course, you're not going to make it. Of course, this isn't real. Right. So now the reason how I'm receiving the initial conception is tainted by the deception. So my work is to constantly clean up my perception. And so for me, problems are uh, a part of life. They're not separate from. I expect them. I expect opposition. I expect that to be there. Therefore, it doesn't shock me or scare me. It's like, oh yeah, this is this is what happens. Because I can't know left without right. This is a part of the process, not some extra part that uh, has me. I'm cursed, right? Some sometimes we we think we're special in our pain. Um, and my truth is, is that there's never ever ever anything that's put on your plate that you cannot handle. 
If it's on your plate, it's because it's there for you to eat or there for you to pass to someone else. Amazing. So another thing that you've kind of taught me about is, is, is balance, especially for high performers and high achievers. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we all have to find a level of balance and you really, you know, you walk the walk. You've shown how you can balance family and so many other things. Teach me about balance, Preston. Mm, yeah. Well, you know what? Balance is a covert word for control, um, which um, is, you know, that comes with the with the skin suit. We we humans are always seeking approval, control, and security. Right? Security being we call it safety, emotional security, relational security. Uh, financial security, et cetera, et cetera, right? And we want to feel approved of so that we can feel safe. And when those two things don't match up, then we try to control everything we possibly can. So I don't necessarily believe in balance. I believe in counterbalancing. I believe in um, recognizing, recognizing what one's priorities are for now. What do I care about now, right? In the book, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller, he talks about how um, oftentimes, you know, life is like juggling uh, a bunch of balls. Um, but the tricky thing is that some of those balls are glass. And if you drop them, it's not that they can't be put back together, but it's going to be very challenging. So out of the six balls that we as entrepreneurs and householders and people and, and parents and, and all these things, out of all those balls, which ones are glass? Which ones are important not to drop? Let's see. Just let me know. So the, the next thing I wanted to um, talk about, because... I got you with me and, and uh it's uh consciousness let's let's go a little bit deeper than all that surface level stuff that you yeah. might talk about yeah what is right now we're in this skin suit like you call it and we're experiencing a certain level of consciousness that we access through our different senses mm -hmm. um and so uh, i know you've thought about this where what what is where are we going and is what is the next level of consciousness that we're moving towards mm. Yeah, that's a tricky one, man. I, I, I genuinely would like to know what you think. Um, I, I will hit a ball over and let's see if you hit one back. Um, I personally do not believe in a Santa Claus God. So the, the, the one that I uh, subscribe to is the one that doesn't have preferences. Um, I don't believe like I said, in two powers or three powers, I believe in one. So it would be like somebody slapping the, the ocean, like smacking their hand on the water and, and some drops going in the air. Those drops are still the ocean. They may think that they're individualized. They may think that they're on their individual journey and they are to some degree, but they're still the ocean. And so for me, I don't believe there's anything separate than God, separate than the love intelligence that rules the planet. There is nothing separate. The worst things and the best things, all God, all of it isness dancing. It's a beautifully um, well said statement. The the my idea is that we are all the same being. We're a, mm -hmm. that God is a protean being, and He 
uh, or she enters into all the living beings and all things around us all at the same mm -hmm. time. And mm -hmm. each of us being individualized in this particular experience, which mm -hmm. to me is sort of like a simulation. And sometimes I ponder it like uh, uh, something I've experienced over and over again. And um, I created the simulation to put myself within it and uh. to interact with other people in the simulation. And it's for a purpose. It's bringing something else out of me to expand my individuated level of consciousness to expand this being um, that God is. And so as I continue to learn, I learn more about what I am and, and what my power is and how I manifest and create. At least that's what the simulation is telling me is happening now. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. That's really cool. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like you ever seen those horses like in New York City or just anywhere, a horse headed through a town and they have those like little like blinder things on them? Exactly. Right. So to the horse, right, all it can see is what's what what it's allowed to see, given what's placed in its um, over its eyes. Right. But it doesn't change the ultimate reality of what's in that horse's space. Right. And so to me, you know, awareness proceeds choice. Um, the isness that you're speaking to, the love intelligence, it is, even if we have blinders on, even if we can't fully see. And how I explain this, I used to do motivational speaking at schools and things like that. I don't do that anymore. Um, I have <laughs> so many students and so many businesses that I don't have time for that right now and that's not my dharma anymore but i used to and i used to start my speeches they they do this introduction and they say you know preston smiles and i'd come out and i'd start dancing and i'd be like hey everybody and then i'd pretend like i was having a heart attack and i would literally and i'd tell all of the uh the organizers because i didn't want them to be like call the police or whatever um or the paramedics and i would literally get all the way to the ground and people would be flipping out. Some people would run towards me. Some would be like, oh, my God, call 911 or whatever the case may be. And then at some point, very soon, I'd pop up and I'd say, now this is where we're going to start. What was that? What occurred in you? The moment you saw that I was hurt. right? And I would explain to them um, mirror neurons and how when we perceive that another person, another being is being hurt, we can oftentimes feel that, right? You see someone break their leg, there's a part of you that winces like, ah, right? Because there's that, that part of us that no matter how much programming that tries to keep us separate and away from each other knows that there's only one of us here. So that's what I believe when it comes to consciousness. Thank you for putting it in such beautiful words. Uh, mm. But and my interpretation is we have a greater sense of our oneness now than we did 10 years ago, that something is discernibly happening in my consciousness and in, in, in others that I that interact with. Yes, it's, it's not just something I'm learning. It's there's changing. The world is changing. And more and more, I I can feel and see those around me as if they are me. Yes. So the it, it's a it's a greater level of empathy, but perhaps more than just empathy. Uh, I can hear their thoughts; they can yes. hear mine. There, we're 
a group being is forming. Yes. Do you sense this? And what is your inner response to, to this change? Yes, 100% I sense it. And not only do I sense it just like internally, you can see it, right? I, I have a business where a couple of them, one of them I help coaches is called Elementum Coaching Institute. And I help coaches become weapons, right? Like really good um, because most coaching institutes and things of that nature avoid sex. They avoid trauma. They avoid money. They avoid God, right? Well, those are some of the biggest things people are traumatized from. And so how are you going to teach somebody how to coach if you don't do that? But long story short is um, oftentimes, and I also help coaches uh, build webinar funnels and things of that nature with another product I have. And uh, oftentimes coaches will say, well, there's so many coaches and there's so many healers and so many light workers. Like, I'm not going to make money. Oh, my God. And I say, you know what? I understand that you're in a bubble and you think that's true. But the truth is, is that there are 7.7 billion people on the planet right now. There's not even enough coaches yet, but there's so many people waking up to the same truth that it appears like it's flooded. It appears like there's too many, but this is a beautiful thing. Um, I show this slide in my webinars that I do where uh, the coaching and knowledge-based industry in 2019 was $15 billion. In 2022, it went up to $20 billion. By 2028, it is perceived that it'll go up to $365 billion. And by 2034, I believe, $1 trillion, right? And I ask all the, every, all the coaches in there, why do you think that is? And uh, people usually get to it, which is the old way of doing life. You know, there's a whole, there's, there's generations coming in that are looking at how their parents and their parents did things and saying that doesn't work for us anymore, right? The, these, these, these generations care about the planet because they know the planet is a living organism that is directly connected to them, right? They care about each other. Is it annoying to have to think about like he, she, they, him, all that stuff, like all the gender non-binary X, Y, and Z? That's challenging, yes, but I'm here for it. That is, to me, a representation of us coming closer. The Me Too movement. Yes. All of it. Yes. All of this is, 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 is us moving closer to a oneness, to some semblance of equality and um, understanding that we're interdependent, right? Nothing against heterosexual white males which you can be considered nothing, right? But the whole world has been set up for that, um, for a person like that. I'll say this in a very careful way. And so that can be scary, right? It could be scary to go, well, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean I have to care about like people's pronouns? The fuck is that? Like, I never had to do that in the 80s or the 90s. I didn't have to do that in 2005. What do you mean? I have to care that women get paid the same. What is, what is that? Like, but it's beautiful, right? And I have, I have a daughter. I have little kids. Like, for me, I'm excited that the world is turning in that way. And yes, when I go into prayer, when I go into ceremony, when I get into spaces with other coaches and healers and light workers, we all feel it. People, hey, you want to hear something? For those of you who are uh, wondering, 
one of the reasons why I've been so successful from a financial standpoint is I genuinely try to help as many people as possible. Like genuinely. There are thousands of humans around this planet, thousands, at least 10, that have been in my workshops or in my programs or in my spaces and will tell you firsthand that dude went way beyond, way beyond the expectations to help me. And whether I'm in a, you know, I'm in the bush in Africa or I'm in Bali or I'm in Australia or I'm in, you know, the bathroom at a restaurant. If I know what my calling is in this lifetime is to serve. And it's not to serve when I have this much money or this much. It's to serve no matter what, always. So when I was broke, serving. Millions, serving. That's my job. Mm-hmm. The rest of it will take care of itself. And, and truly, if you, if you get that there is a circulation, right? The, 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 the blood does not belong to the veins, right? The veins are there to just circulate, circulate, just to be the container, the context for the blood to flow. Money is exactly the same. That black shirt you have on, Brian, there's no, you have no, you had no resistance on the line to getting that shirt just like I didn't, or this chair, right? And so money or chair or couch or anything, all of it exists, right? Our job when it comes to abundance is to recognize where we have stories made up about certain parts of abundance, right? We never go, there's no, there's not enough air, right? We don't even think about air, right? And so the laws of circulation, just like the laws of abundance, of of a buoyancy or the laws of gravity, right? We don't question the law of gravity, but most of us don't understand the law of circulation, right? And so for me, I've tuned into that thing and it's just, it just pours. It, it just pours. Now, as we come together and as we have these movements of awakening, yes, there's also an equal a movement of separation there's an equal movement of of duality. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, at every step we grow, there's a step of 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 conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's sometimes it, it's easy if we're watching the media. It yes. just seems like that it's that we we all hate each other. Uh, that there's a battle between the self and and serving as you talk about a serving myself and then serving others. And this mm-hmm. battle continues. How do we how do we integrate into this growing sense of awareness? of a this duality of serving myself and others this conflict this duality in the world yes 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 so i would only challenge that it may not be equal right it's there it's but there. i don't think it's equal um and uh the 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 weapon of mass distraction uh also known as our phones can be deeply detrimental for that um and so we're always voting, right? Um, when we talk about manifestation, oftentimes people teach it in an obsolete way because they talk about your thoughts, feelings, and actions, and they think that it's just you as an individual, but it's not. It's us as a collective. And so I'm always voting and putting my vote somewhere, right? And so our job as a collective is to vote for the world we do want to see. 
is to is to swim in and spend time and energy in that space. When I was in practitioner school, uh, we were you know, I was in a class called the Power of Prayer, and one of the things we would do is we would turn on the news and then we would bless the mess. It's called bless the mess, right? And 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 uh, I'm gonna break something down. So there's there's sympathy. She says, I'm so, I feel sorry for you. There's empathy, which says, I will feel what you're feeling. And then there's compassion, which says, I am aware of the pain and suffering you may be experiencing, but I am going to keep my consciousness high. And to me, that is the, that's the invitation for us, for the ones that are awakening and also knowing I am in no way doubting what you're saying. Because sex trafficking is at an all-time high. The, the, the usage of porn is at an all-time high. There is a shadow 100%. The question is, is, how do we heal the shadow? Right, And a part of it is making sure that we don't sympathize, which would be victimizing. And there's a way to have, um, I'll call it empathetic compassion, right? Because compassion to me is the highest vibration in that. When I, when I empathize with you, I'm going to feel what you're feeling. And if I'm feeling what you're feeling and you're feeling shame and guilt, which is causing suffering, then our vibrations are both lowered. Now I've, I've come to where you are, right? And is that going to serve us? Or will it serve us for me to recognize the pain that, you, that a person may be in, but keep my vibration high? So the work collectively is to bless the mess, is to recognize that it's there, do the, the, our due diligence, but keep it clean. Keep it clean. Is there a way that we can manifest a change in the world on things like you're talking about, like sex trafficking? Can we mm -hmm. use the power of our minds with what we now understand and this growing power we have to change those things. Yes, it comes with it. The main piece is awareness and understanding that your complaint is your mission. So for me, as I started to make it as a coach, I would look back and be like, oh, these marketers are just feeding on coaches. And I would complain to my wife while simultaneously doing nothing about it. And then at one point, I, I was telling one of my clients, your complaint is your mission. And it hit me. Well, well, what about what you complain about? You don't help coaches. You got rich and left them behind. How about you go help, right? And so to me, that's the work. Whatever, if, if your thing is dolphins and you're complaining about the dolphins being killed, that's your work. If your thing is sex trafficking and that's, you have a heart for that, that's your work from compassion, right? Elephants, that's your work from compassion, because we don't want to get caught in the illusion, right? The moment we leave these skin suits, we go back to, to isness, to the soul, right? And the soul has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered. We go right back to, 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 to infinite, right? And so this, even, even the fearing of death, right? We get to normalize having conversations about sex. If, if I hold... A thousand people, I can almost guarantee you that 900 of them would have trauma around sex and sexuality. And it would be from the church, 
It would be from their parents mainly and uh, them exploring with their cousin or X, Y, and Z or something happening with their fucking uncle or whatever it is. But that thing, right? You want to heal the world? Go to the places that are taboo, that everybody's afraid of. That's another reason why I continue to be successful is because I lean into the places that are scary and, and, and most people want to shy away from. The true healing is in the areas, right? I say this in my workshops. What imprisons you also points to your freedom. The very thing that you've been avoiding and suppressing and denying and pretending it's not there that molestation, that rape, that thing that happened when you were 16 and you drank too much, that, you still have to address that, right? The little boy in me that didn't cry when my friends were shot and killed, I had to address that. That is why I have energetic real estate. So when we say there's four levels of consciousness to me, victim consciousness, by me, creator consciousness, through me, where we move out of the way and allow ourselves to be used, and as me, I can access through me and as me because I've created energetic real estate by leaning into the places that I usually don't, that most people wouldn't, that my dad didn't, and his dad didn't, and his dad didn't. That's the work. Thank you. We got a little bit of time. Just one final question. I always like to ask high performers because uh, mm -hmm. I want to model you, you know, so tell me a little bit about more about your, your routine in the morning. What do you do? What is your general routine when you wake up in the morning? When do you wake up? And what do you do? Yes, yes, yes. First of all, I go to sleep at about set, between 7.30 and 8.30. But I also have, <laughs> four, yeah, I have four kids under four. So for the last almost, yeah, I'd say four years, uh, between 7.30 and 8.30, I'm in the bed, right? It's a rare time if I'm not sleep by 8.39. Wow. So um, that's one. Two, because my children wake up a lot and there's all that stuff too. But the main thing that I want you to hear that I've been doing nonstop for almost nine years is every day I ask myself, what's the one thing that if I did nothing else today, I literally did nothing else today. But if I did that one thing, it would create space and room for what I truly desire. Right? So I'm I'm doing I'm 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 whittling down to the most precious most important things of each day. So what that does is I'll ask myself another way I'll say it is what can I do today that would take me a week? What could I do this week that would take me a month? What could I do this month that would take me a year? That right there is one of the reasons why I personally have been more successful than anybody in my family. And I'm part of the 1% in the coaching space. And um, I don't just do that with business. I do it with my wife. I do it with my kids. I do it with my health. Right? Okay. So if there's 20 million things I want to do for my health, and there's only a little bit of time in the day, like, you know, the moment I get off of here, I'm going to pick my kids up from school. Right? A school I created. I bought a house and put a school in the house. And there's 15 kids that go there, right? Wow. So I'm going to go do that. And today, you know what I did? I rode my bike for about three miles. That was the one thing I did for my health. If you ask me, hey, P, what's the one thing you did for your business? 
oh, I shot three modules for a um, webinar program that I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. right? What's the one thing you did for your relationship? Oh, I kissed my wife and told her I loved her before she left. Right? I cooked her breakfast. Right? These one thing, one thing, one thing. That's my trick. Thank you so much for sharing um, all this knowledge. And I appreciate all the inspiration you've given me, not only in this episode, but through all the other teachings that you've provided freely. And it's been, a, it's meant a lot. You've, you've made me a better person and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Everybody check out Preston Smiles. Thank you so much and welcome to the Reality Love Revolution. Love you. Appreciate you, Brian.